Cajun Nation, Matt Miguez here, host of Rage and Review. On the next episode of Rage and Review, Nate Snyder is the GOAT. He sends a letter to Rage and Review for Cajun Nation. We'll give you a recap of the win over Georgia Southern. First time the program is 3-0 since 1988. Lorenzo McCaskill continues to get better. Volleyball still undefeated. We'll talk about that and more right here on the upcoming episode of Rage and Review. Spreading Cajun across the nation. Pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review. Made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, welcome to Ragin' Review. Matt Miguez here, and God, it's getting a little chilly outside. You know, the the weather's horrible today, but apparently that's leading to colder weather. I'm not I'm not sure. Football weather, yeah, fo- football weather for sure. You know, like I said, welcome to Rage Review. Matt Miguez here, Josh Jagno, man about town, across from me. We have a lot to talk about. Obviously, the Cajuns defeated the Georgia Southern Eagles on Saturday, 20 to 18, on a walk off. 53-yard field goal by Nate Schneider. And, you know, I, I, I hate using the word defeated because I don't really think that we defeated them. I think we just kind of escaped. A win is a win. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not downplaying it, but... After, after the second, well, I'd say probably after the end of the first quarter, uh, I leaned to Catherine and I said, just get out of here alive. That's, yeah. that's the goal. Get out of here alive because... Uh, you take the omissions from the depth chart, and then you add Chris Smith go down, Pete go down. There's a few other guys that went down. Man, just uh, survive in advance. Yeah, for sure. Like like I said, Cajuns improved to 3-0 and for the first time since 1988. Wow. In, in, insane. Happy days. Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, Sunbelt Conference comes out with their weekly awards earlier today. Lorenzo McCaskill was named the Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Week after getting 14 tackles? Yes, sir. Against Georgia Southern? Well, we knew linebackers were going to still uh, fill the stat sheet. So yeah, he did his job. Doing it like that, that's... Hey, I saw that uh, another program first. Um, first, I don't know if it's defensive player or linebacker, but first in Cajun history to have double-digit tackles in his first three games of the season. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he just continues uh, to get better, like you said in the beginning. I mean, he's he's something. Yeah, there, there's no question about it. Like I said, he was named Defensive Player of the Week in the conference, and then Nate Snyder was named the Sun Belt Special Teams, of course, Player of the Week. Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, all right, I mean, you, you kick a game winner, and you know that's gonna be that's gonna be your thing. But yeah, four. Team tackles. He's already up to 36 on the season. Wild. Three games in. 17 solos. You know, I know. I knew he would be good. I didn't know what kind of a role he'd have this year. Uh, when we talked to Phil Steele, he said that he expected McCaskill, and I'm sure he got that straight from Billy, but he said he thought McCaskill would be the catalyst in the middle. And I wasn't surprised by it, but, you know, it was like, well, really, you know, I didn't I didn't maybe see that, that he was going to have that big of a role. Uh, but, man, 
he is a machine. Yeah. Nasty, Aaron. hits hard, plays physical and aggressive. I love it. You know, I, I, I liked the pickup out of out of high school, you know, when Napier brought him in. You know, he he looked like I hate high school highlight videos. Yeah. I hate them. But, you know, watching his, you could tell that there was there was something there. For sure. Um, so I was I was impressed with with the pickup and you know, he, he ran into a little bit of off field trouble. But, you know, that's obviously in the past. He's clearly moved on from that. Sometimes those type of experiences turn you into a better person, a better player. Oh, yeah. Someone sure. that appreciates where you are. Look, for I sure. mean, a lot of us can probably relate to that. So uh, I'm happy to have him here. I'm thrilled that he's a raging Cajun, and obviously he's showing out in his senior year. Let, let's talk about this, Josh. Um, you know, the Cajuns were number 19 going into this game, and obviously the Cajuns didn't play up to expectations. But a win is a win, right? Uh, you know, how, how do you – I wanted to say this – a little bit later, but I'll say it now. You know, name a team in the G5 that can lose 12 to 15 starters, key contributors, whatever you want to call them, and go out and win a game against a good program. Right. G5, how about in the entire country? What what, what other team, first of all, what other team has, has had that type of turmoil this year? Right. I don't know of one. Uh, I mean, you're talking about half your starters. More than half. 60% of your starters are gone. I see it as an accomplishment more than, oh, you know, they weren't impressive. I, again, show me another team that could do something like that. Right. You got to be, first of all, you have to have a good coaching staff. You have to be very talented in the two and three deep, and you have to really trust your freshmen. I mean, look at how many freshmen played on, on Saturday and right. really played in key roles and made big plays. Right. So I, I don't know if I buy the narrative Kyron, that we didn't. Wasn't, wasn't Kyron Lacey our leading receiver? I honestly didn't look at the stat line, but it wouldn't surprise me. Peter LeBlanc was. Okay. Three for 64. How about Devin Pauly? Oh, man, I wanted to get into the Pauly conversation. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that later. But. Pauly, just real quick, he's done a lot of things other than make circus catches to help this team win. Absolutely. He's been a big special teams guy. Absolutely right. But, you know, like I said, Cajuns were number 19. You get the win however you got to get it. Sure. You would think that when the polls came out on Sunday, the Cajuns would either stay where they were, maybe fall one. Especially in the AP. I didn't. I didn't see him rising. I didn't. I'm, no. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't see. I didn't see us rising. Although Iowa State went out and beat a good TCU team. They did. Uh, Arkansas State beat Kansas State, who just went up and beat, beat Oklahoma. Right. Now we haven't played them yet, but that has, that has to bode well for the the uh, Sun Belt and for our strength of schedule going forward. The coaches' poll, I don't even want to talk about it because it's, it's such a, it's such a scam. It's fickle, and it's they're including teams that aren't going to play for a month. And then, so the AP poll comes out yesterday. Yeah. Again, including teams that aren't going to aren't going to play for a month. Cajuns are out. First of completely all, out. It, how, do you, how do you win a game and fall six spots? That would never happen to the made teams. That would never happen to a UCF. You know, they're G5, but they're made. They've been in the public purview for quite a while. Uh, Cincinnati wouldn't happen to. Memphis, it wouldn't happen to. Uh, you know, if you start talking about Blue Bloods, of course it would never, ever happen. LSU gave up. Uh, their defense looked putrid. <laughs> KJ Costello threw for six 123 yards. Baton Rouge. SEC I, record. I hope to God you were listening. Grab a beer. 
and grab a hundred more because it's going to be a long ass year hey, for you boys. They want to blame John Bell Edwards because he didn't let the fans go inside the stadium. Oh, you're kidding me! So they lost their advantage. But they, <laughs> but they're not talking about the defense giving okay, up 623 yards. I guarantee yards you, in Mike Leach's offense. Oh, dude, it's hilarious. A loud, a loud crowd wouldn't have given you shit. It, it doesn't matter. They they won the turnover battle and they had a pick six and still lost by ten at home. Okay. Anyway, so if you watch the game, if they never had a number six by their name to start the season, that's not a ranked team. They look terrible. I watched most of the game. Yeah, they, they weren't good they, at all. They looked bad. They were not good. So, you know, when I, I say that to say these made teams and these made programs, they already have a leg up and an advantage in the polls and in the, the public domain of perception. It's not, it's not fair, but it is the reality. So, yeah, it's, it's frustrating, and, and really it's infuriating to – Go out and beat a good team on the road in what I thought was convincing fashion. And, yeah, we struggled against Georgia State, but how many times has even the made programs go in, have a big win uh, the prior week, and then go in and sleepwalk in the next game? Especially against an inferior opponent on the road. happens all the time. happens all the time. So we come home, and we're, I mean, shit, it's like 12 to 15 players that we rely on are not playing. And uh, we win the game. And we fall six spots, seven, seven spots. spots. Yeah, think we're, about we're 26. that. Twenty-six, and and some of it's unprecedented because of the COVID stuff and people are starting the season late. And I get all that stuff, and it's part of it. But again, they're not playing right now. We are playing. They should not be in the poll. These teams that haven't played a snap saw, shouldn't be in the poll. Keep talking. I saw a I saw a great tweet that I'm that I'm gonna share. Um, but the end of, the end of the point is that. It would not. It would never happen to an LSU. It would never happen to a Memphis, a Cincinnati. We're the new kid on the block, so we've got to earn our keep, and I understand that. But it would never happen. Falling seven spots after a victory. <laughs> Stupid. Here, here it is. Listener of the pod, by the way, Mr. Nick Domang, nice. uh, former PA announcer for UL Baseball. Yeah, like Nick a lot. There are going to be some amazing top 25 matchups next week. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I'm looking forward to number six, Ohio State versus practice. Yeah. Number 10, Penn State versus practice. And number 14, Oregon versus practice. Also, special congrats to number 19, Wisconsin, and number 23, Michigan, entering the polls after impressive wins at practice last week. <laughs> like, come on, man. That's good for me. Give me, give, me, give me a break. Yes. Absolutely ridiculous. Transferring from the gridiron. Before you go on, even even then, we have opportunities coming in front of us. Oh, of course, of course. It's it's officially App State week and a half. I'll I'll say this: when I saw the polls, don't get me wrong, piss me off. Sure, sure. But at the same time, you know what I said? Let's make, go win. Let's make some noise. Let's go win. Let's go keep earning it. And look, some of these teams around us are going to lose. Mm-hmm. Some of these teams are going to show up in October and be rusty and not good. We'll we're, be fine. We're ranked going into the App State game. Coming coming next week, right? Could be. Because, you know, like, like you said, teams are going to lose. Could be. A couple of top 25 teams lose. We just get pushed up. Could be. Only problem is a lot of those guys that, that moved into the rankings won't play for a month. Right. So they don't have the opportunity to move out. But, yeah, I think that there's a possibility we're ranked. It would be great for the conference, for sure, if we can get right. us you know, back into the top 25. But, hey, we got to play. Arkansas State's now a, a very formidable opponent when it comes to strength of schedule. App State's still right in front of you. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. UAB, uh, I don't know if you watched the game on Friday. Whew. They have potent. obliterated South Alabama. Potent. So I think granted, that, granted. I, I, it's Cusa. I, 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 and well, not only that, but outside of their offense, I don't think South Alabama is all that great. I think we're going to have our way uh, with our running game because they, they can't stop the run. Right. But 
Uh, point is, is that strength of schedule, I think, oh, is yeah. going to be okay. Th- th- this better is, than we this, thought. This, this is probably the toughest schedule the Cajuns have played in a very long time. It certainly could be. It, it, it all depends on how the conference dominoes fall. Like, if we continue to go out and get these these out-of-conference wins, even against ranked opponents, man, you never know. You never know. Yep, but I'm not sure. worried about falling out of the top 25. I mean, yeah, it sucks, but we're going to have opportunities in front of us. Right, and sure. we're 3-0. and Who gives a shit? Right. All right, transferring from the gridiron to the soccer pitch. Shout-out to Lance Key and the ladies. Rebounded very nicely yesterday with a 3-0 win over UL Monroe. You know, I don't care what sport it is. Anytime it's, you beat the Monroe, it's always fun to beat Monroe. Yes, yes. It's always, it's always fun to beat Monroe. Yeah, I'm glad for the girls to bounce back. They had a tough week last week, but uh, like I said, we've got a ton of confidence in that team and that program, so uh, I'm not surprised by the bounce back, and they'll be fine. Sticking with college athletics of the female persuasion, mm-hmm. volleyball. What do you say? I mean, 9-0. and Can't beat them. Can't beat them. I don't know. That's insane. It is. Is that, is that the best program start? Oh, it, I, I, I don't know for sure, but I mean, we got we to brush up on our it, volleyball history there. It, it very well might be. But it's got to be good. In my in my memory, 9-0 is definitely the best start they've had. That's, it's definitely the best under Mosaitis Fondo, right? Yeah, that, that's insane. Yeah. Great great start for Heather Shout Mosaitis out Fondo and, Keep and the volleyball coming. team. Keep it up. Yes, indeed. You know. National championships, however you can get them. Hey, I'm um, just as happy for a volleyball as hey, a ski as a baseball. They can put a national title trophy in the uh, in EK long. I'll be all right with that. I guess uh, when we were sitting in the stadium, the bell started ringing. And I was like, uh, do we have a malfunction with the bell here? But I realized yeah, that it, it volleyball rings, was winning. Right. So it rings, it rings after every win. Yep. All right, as always, big thanks to our sponsors before we go to break. Priority Access Urgent Care, Chris Russo and Russo Exploration. Award Master, Shilling Distributing, PSC Supply and Hardware, Gulf Coast Bank, Vaulted Security, Escape Reality Travel Agency. And remember, boys and girls, that, Is that everything. That PSC website yeah, ends PSCsupply.co. Dot .co. Absolutely go check out their site. When I tell you Traeger Grills, Blackstone Products, Yeti, you name it, Willie and the gang has it. His Traeger prices are very good. Reasonable, uh, cheaper than I've seen in a lot of other places. Propane sale every Saturday. Yes. Um, If you already have a Traeger or a a pellet grill, you know, he he has a sale on pellets every Saturday. Yes, indeed. You know, definitely definitely check out Willie and the gang in Broussard, PSC Supply and Hardware. And they might be be tailgating in the parking lot. You never know with Willie. Yeah, no, and then like like you said on the last episode, dude, the the jerseys hanging up on the wall, awesome. It, it's insane. He put some thought into that. Definitely, definitely go check them out. All right, guys, we'll take a break. When we come back here on Raging Review, we will give you a scoring summary of the game. We will talk about Beth Moens and how horrible that broadcast was. Uh, yeah, and, I got some heat on that one. And so much more. We are re- we. We will be right back, right here on Rage and Review. Here's one off the cuff. Who's better, LSU, UL? Go Cajuns, baby. Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. 
This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Priority Access Urgent Care, located in the Wynwood Shopping Center at 2912 Johnston Street in Lafayette, will provide you with a patient-centered experience with a personal touch. With over 35 years of healthcare experience, President Owner Ed Haney will provide you with exceptional and affordable care for minor injuries, illnesses, and occupational health, offering vaccines and physicals, on-site x-rays, EKG, and lab services, as well as testing for flu, strep, and COVID-19. Now accepting all major medical insurance, including Medicaid, Medicare, and VA insurance. Open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Priority Access Urgent Care, 2912 Johnston Street, where patients are our priority. Call 337-446-0555 for more information or online at PriorityAccessUrgentCare.com. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Raging Review. Matt Miguez, Josh Jagno, sitting across from me. We are live in the lab, and holy hell, does it look good in here. Yeah, uh, I should not be left at home with my free tools time? and free time. Right. Yeah, no. Josh, hey, by the way, real you... quick, for my boy Chris L. out in Houston, that's ASAT Rocky for you. Ooh. He said, what is this music? He's a fan of the music. I don't know right. if he was a fan or if he was critiquing, but or, yeah, he, we're going to play maybe, it. I love maybe it. he's telling us not to yeah. use it. Yeah. Who knows? He's a big ASAP Rocky guy. That's, a, you know, that's the guy that Trump got out of jail in Sweden. Right. Old ASAP Rocky. Good old, <laughs> good, good old Donnie Trump. Anyways, so before we get into the scoring summary of, of this game, you know, can, can we just spend a minute talking about Nate Snyder? We can spend several minutes. He's the he is the king of Lafayette for at least here's, a week. Here's what I love. I don't know if you saw his tweet, but there was a video going around about his interview with ESPN uh-huh. after the game. And he retweeted it. And he said, I appreciate the love, but I'm not a hero. This game was played for 59 minutes and 58 seconds by everybody else on this team. Yep, I did see that. What a guy. It seems like a good guy, and uh, like you alluded to at the top, 
he wrote a note for Cajun Nation to us. Um, I've been very pro Nate Snyder from day one, so maybe that's why. But uh, he sent some some words for everyone, and uh, when we get to it, I'm going to read his note. Well, go ahead and uh, get to it now with his permission. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. All right, these are these are Nate's exact words, and I quote. I couldn't have asked for a cooler first game experience in the swamp. Cajun fans made it an awesome game day atmosphere. I couldn't believe how loud it got with such a limited capacity. I credit the support of my teammates and coaches for that kick. I never had a thought or doubt, uh, excuse me, I never had a thought of doubt, and that's a direct reflection of my coaches and teammates picking me up and supporting me. The DJ needs a raise because the music was awesome and put a strut in my step before that kick. I'm thankful for all the positive messages I've gotten over the past couple days. Credit Paul and Cambry on a great snap and hold. O-line was giving me great protection all year. So many unseen variables made that kick possible. Ball wouldn't have went through without everyone around me and the confidence of our coaching staff. End quote. I love that. Hey, man. I love that. You know, you got to have people like that on your club, but he's got he's genuine, man. I mean, if you saw the interview and if you if kind of – I'm a big body language guy, and when he comes off the field after he's gone one for five, uh, the team, nobody turned their back. Everybody was congratulatory. Hey, man, it's all right. We'll get him next time. We'll get him next time. Napier goes in the media and says, we think we think the world of Nate, we, we know he'll get it together. You know, that tells me that there's some sincere, uh, you know, dare I say love for, for teammates yeah. and, and brotherhood. And that's... At the end of the day, that's why you really play for the camaraderie and the support of your team, and you go out and you compete with those guys. Um, I'm so happy for Nate because I came in here week in and week out and said, look, I know he's missing kicks, but it's not just Nate. Right. There are other variables that are happening that are not helping the kicker out. And, I, look, that might be the kick he may never miss again. It, sometimes that's all it takes for you to get going as a kicker. You know, before the season, we even said it's a it's a mental game. Same thing happened to Stevie last year. Very similar. He struggled heavily early yeah. on. Yeah. That game against Texas Southern, you know, set a school record for most extra points made in a game. But yeah, and then you know he hit a couple field goals throughout that game. Yeah, and he was right back on track. Sometimes that's all it takes is just to see it go through the uprights, you know? Like if you're a struggling basketball player, get to the line and see the ball go through the net, yep. you know? I, I I wasn't just coming in here and saying those things because... Yeah, I mean, you, you got to I don't just say your, things. I meant, I meant what I said. I thought that he was fine. I thought that... And look, we, we were yet to see what's going to happen for the rest of the season, but I still saw plenty there that I thought that there was something there. Right. That was a sincere thought of mine. Yeah, and I was gl- I'm just so happy for him, and I know his parents were uh, super happy. You know, if you talk to Jay, Jay told me all about that. But um, dude, Nate's a great guy, and I'm, I'm glad the, the kick went in. I mean, obviously we won. You know, right. it's huge. What a huge moment! You know, it, it, you brought up the basketball thing. You know, shooters. If you're in a slump, you got to shoot your way out of it. Sure. Kickers are in a slump. They got to kick their way out of it. Sure. I mean, it's just it's the name of the game. But you know, I remember saying. You know, at halftime of that game, I was talking to somebody about about you know the kicking struggles and everything, and I was like, "Look, you know, I get you got to kick your way out of it, but if it comes to a point where it's going to cost us ball games, that's where it's got to be revisited." Sure, I don't think that's fair. In Nate's case, he literally had to kick his way out of it because Kenny was out. 
Right. Kenny's there, been out. Yeah, there was nobody else. We, we have a Except grad scout transfer. Team, a scout team kicker, maybe. And a walk-on, yeah. And, I mean, these guys have never taken a snap collegiately whatsoever. Right. So, man, not only is that great for Nate, it's great for us. He plays well. It helps us, obviously. He's on the team. But, you know, having the confidence to give him a shot, uh, I can tell you one thing. The pass that Levi threw right before we had 10 seconds left, they went to the end zone. Would, and that would have left Nate with a 53-yard kick. I don't think Napier calls a play that has any option to go deep if they didn't think that Nate could hit a 53-yard field goal. Right. So that tells me even more about the confidence that they still had in the, Nate. The game, the game plan was they were going with Nate. And then if by we'll some, shot. If some crazy reason the pass gets caught, well, then, you know, whatever. RPI or something. Right. But, but, but I agree that... It, again, it, it gives me a little more insight to what Billy was thinking there. He, they never throw that pass if they don't think Nate can, right. can nail a kick. And he did, and that's great. And, again, man, what a huge moment for him. And I'm so happy uh, that he got to experience that. And, hey, big-time moment for Nate. Yeah, no, for sure. Let's get into the scoring summary now. Um, you know, kind of like most of our games this year, first quarter was pretty scoreless. Actually, not pretty scoreless. It was scoreless. scoreless. Uh, seven seconds into the second quarter, however, scoring began for the Eagles. Oklahoma State transfer J.D. King punches his in from two yards out to make it 7 nothing in favor of the Eagles. Second week in a row, we have a bell cow back yeah. just absolutely just hit us over and over. I will say this, before the end of that, I think it was, no, it was the first drive of the first quarter, first game, uh, first drive of the game, going down to about the four-yard line, and the, and defense, the defense comes up big. Stand, yeah. That was that was such a gigantic play in that football game. Absolutely. And they ate up like seven minutes a clock, and they were going to yeah. punch it in again on another fourth down after they converted one before that. Yet defense would have been demoralized, would have been down seven. And, and who was it? Oh, it was Podeskla. It was Cam Podeskla. That guy just makes huge plays. I, you know, say what you want about his, his coverage ability or whatever. I think it's fine, but that's that SOB gets in the backfield and makes things happen. Zero is a number. Agent zero. Zero is a number. That's right. Five minutes later, Trey Regis. You know, we've been, we've been saying it for weeks. Feed the damn man the ball. Oh, my gosh. Ten-yard touchdown run to tie the game at seven. And that is actually how we would go into halftime, seven to seven. Uh, you know, we had we had the chance late in the quarter to move the ball down the field. Uh, and, you know, at this point of the game, I wasn't watching. I was listening to Jay on the radio. And from from what I can tell, Levi threw it into double coverage. Well, dude, look, you know, I don't even understand why you throw that pass. I know you have a ton of confidence in Peter, and I do too. But there's, I mean, there's some plays, you know, you got to know better. You're a senior quarterback. What are you doing? He had he had top uh, help over the top, and the guy had his eyes on him. My biggest complaint with Levi on Saturday was that he just stared everybody down. I, I don't know if you credit Georgia Southern to having good coverage or what, but to me, again, senior quarterback, we got to be better than that. We got to manipulate yep. a safety or two. I mean, I, every throw, man. He he. There were other opportunities for Georgia State to pick him off. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we, we left a whole lot of routes that were uncovered wide open. I want to kill Levi. I, I just uh, – well, we have actually on the rundown, we have a, a segment to get to it, so I'll leave it for that. But we had a lot of opportunities in that first half we did not cash in on. Yeah, for sure. And a, and a missed field goal as well. Seven, seven to seven at halftime, third quarter, both teams get a field goal, make it 10 to 10 going into the fourth. Early in the fourth, Levi Lewis throws a 
beautiful ball. Yes. Yes. To Earl Rogers Jr. gets his first catch as a Cajun and his first touchdown as a Cajun. Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Now I tweeted that out yeah. and uh he made a great play on the ball, but Levi put it where it needed to be right. because it had to be away from the defender. Arrow slides under it. A really good catch, really good field awareness. And uh, Arrow was in really good spots. For a freshman to understand yeah. field awareness like that, I was very impressed with him. And uh, like you said, Levi put it where it needed to be. Yeah, he had a good day for sure. And then, you know, the, the play that a lot of people were talking about, Shai Wirtz hits his tight end right out of the backfield and – for some reason, the Cajun's defense just couldn't bring the man down. Yeah. Um, and right as he gets to about the two-yard line, I don't remember who was closing in on him, uh, and he reaches his arms, he reaches the ball out to cross the pylon, ends up losing it, fumbles it out of the back of the end zone, touchback Cajun's football. A gift. Yeah. I, That's what I, you know, it was a gift. I, I, I hate, but I hate we made a play. If you go back and look at the replay, we did make a play on, on the guy's arm. I'll tell I'll tell this story real quick. My, uh, my nephew's godfather. One of my brother's best friends lives in Atlanta. He's a Georgia Southern grad. So, you know, he, he'd been texting us all week, you know, talking about the game, blah, blah, blah. And so when he when that play happened, I sent a text that said, ball game, better luck next time. <laughs> Matt, Matt likes to talk shit. <laughs> and then I do. I do like to talk shit. And then the offense comes out and goes three and out. And I said, wait, son of a bitch. Yeah. No. Why? But again, look at the play calling on that drive. That's yeah. infuriating, man. Why, why? Why would we? Why would we throw the ball three straight times? I'm gonna die on this Regis Hill. I'm just doing like in that position. I, I mean, we were the sixth best rushing offense in the country last year, and we returned the two bell cows. Why would you not run the football? I, I don't understand the Regis hate. I, I just, I don't get I just it don't understand it. So we gave the ball back to Georgia Southern very quickly. Yep. Georgia Southern marches down the field, and Shy Words, the option quarterback, Shy Words, threw a beautiful ball to Caleb Hood, who made an even better catch. Shy Words was very good on Saturday, just like we thought he would be. I, I thought that he would come in with a mission, and he was. And then the set of gonads to go for two on Chad Lunsford. Yep. To go for two and the dagger right there. He had the defense on their heels. I thought we somebody said it. I don't know what broadcast. I think it was Jay that said it. We had not stopped them for three yards or less on a play all day long. Right. If you think about it, except that opening drive, except that fourth and goal, except for that. Oh yeah, except for the opening drive. Uh, why not go for it? Right. Absolutely. Why not? And of course they converted it. Eighteen seventeen. Georgia Southern Eagles with fifty four seconds to go. What were you thinking at that moment? I thought it was over. You thought the game was over? I thought it was over. I, I thought we're going to have an opportunity to kick a field goal. As soon as soon as I, 54 seconds, three timeouts, we have an opportunity. I thought, I, thought, I thought we could make something happen. Yeah. But, you know, the, the way the offense had played for the majority of the game and the way Georgia Southern's defense had answered in big moments, yeah. I, there, there was a big part of me that thought the game was over. I, uh... I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to shout out to Ken Marks. Uh, I was texting with him after the game. He helped me get some things done before the game, so I want to say a big shout out and thank you to him. Uh, but I asked him, I said, how good was the defensive line? And he said they weren't very good. They, their technique wasn't good. He said, but in that in that in uh, those last two drives, they were gassed, totally tired. Uh, he said the reason why we were able to uh, pass block better later in the game is because they weren't conditioned like we were. 
So shout out to Hockey. Um, he had those guys in shape, but it wore them down. It wore down Georgia Southern's defensive line, and according to Ken, you know they weren't very good anyway. So, <laughs> and then obviously we've talked about it. You know, basically this whole episode, Nate Snyder hits the walk off fifty three yard field goal to uh, to to win that game twenty to eighteen, and Nate knew it was in the second it left his foot. Well, when you look at the, again, I, I've been saying it. Look at the snap. Look at the placement. You can almost always tell if you have a chance. And as soon as the snap hit the holder right in the hand, I was like, oh, shit. That's it. He's going to make it. And he nailed it. And it had been good from maybe 60, 58. Yep. He nailed no, it. I mean, no, it, no, it, doubt, no doubt about it. It never moved. Cajuns win 20-18, improved to 3-0, and 2-0 in the conference. Georgia Southern falls 2-1-1 and on the year. Now let's get into the stats now. Um, you know, I'll, I'll start with Georgia Southern. We'll make, we'll make some quick work of this. Shy Wirtz, 11 of 18, 255 with a touchdown and an interception. QBR of 77.8. Not great. Not terrible. For an, for an option, guys. Right. J.D. King was Southern's leading rusher. 24 carries, 100 yards on a score. He earned them. Shy Wirtz added 10 carries for 32. Wesley Kennedy, 7 for 29. LaRoche, 6 of 27. And Logan Wright, 2 for 4. I was surprised by the lack of... Of touches for Kennedy, yeah, yeah, surprised no, me. No, no doubt. He about made some it. big plays. Don't get me wrong, but I think I would have given him a leading, few more opportunities. Leading receiver for Georgia Southern, Wesley Kennedy the third, two catches, 105 yards with a long of 61. Big plays. That ball that shy put oh, on. Yeah, him, yeah. Our safety was totally beat there. Johnson one catch for 59. Caleb Hood three for 44 and a score. Carter, 1 for 13. Anderson, 1 for 11. Smith, 1 for 9. Murray, 1 for 7. And Logan Wright, 1 for 7. Georgia Southern fumbled the ball one time, and their leading tackler was Bird, 8 tackles for the Eagles. Transitioning to Louisiana, Levi Lewis, 18 of 32 for 290 with a touchdown and an interception, a QBR of 49.2. You're kidding. Wow. I don't put a lot of stock in a QBR, but that's pretty low. Rushing for Louisiana leader was Chris Smith, four carries, 54 yards with a long of 36. And that was all before halftime. Right. Trey Reg is 15 for 52 and a score. Amani Bailey, three for 27, set up a big touchdown there. Amani Bailey, uh, so Matt and I were texting before the game, and he said, uh, Bailey is actually before Wisham on the depth chart. And I said, I'd be willing to bet you my house that – TJ's going to get the take carries. That bet. And he should have taken the bet because Wisham didn't get a carry. He'd be getting the keys to the house today. But uh, no, uh, Bailey looks good. He looks fast. He looks. Like he was more physical than I expected, a little bit more stocky than I expected, too. And Levi even contributed three for 15. And could have went 10 for 100. Yeah. No, no, doubt, no doubt about it. Leading receiver, as it seems to always be, Peter LeBlanc, three catches for 64. Trey Regis, four for 64. Devin Pauly, 2 for 47. Kyron Lacey, 2 for 47. Errol Rogers Jr., 3 for 39 and a score. Jalen Williams, 1 for 18. Johnny Lumpkin getting into the action, 2 for 13. And then scout team receiver making his Cajuns debut, Caleb Carter, 1 for 8. Hey, all hands on deck. Cajuns fumble twice, lose Zero of them. It's unbelievable. You realize in the Iowa State game, three, lost zero. Georgia Southern, two, lost zero. And I don't know how many times we fumbled in Georgia State, but we got at least one back. Yeah. That's fortune. Leading tacklers for Louisiana, Lorenzo McCaskill with 14. 
Braylon Trahan with 11. Braylon had a game. And Zion Hill with 8. Zion finally, and not his fault, he's been he's not been healthy, but man, we needed him and he stepped up. Oh yeah, for sure. And then the lone interception for the Cajuns, like you said, Braylon Trahan won with a return of 8 yards. Nate Snyder went 2 of 3 with a long of 53 and 2 for 2 on extra points. Reese Burns, you know, we, we keep mentioning him, only punted 3 times today, which, you know, that's not a... Not a bad thing for 129 yards. With Has a, a stud. With a long of 49. Best punter in the country. Yeah, uh, I I agree with that as well. Most effective uh, for sure. Team stats. Georgia Southern won the first down battle 21-18. to 18. Third down efficiency, however. Georgia Southern went 8 for 14. Cajun's a little bit better than they've been. 5 of 11. 50, better. 50%. Hey, that's look. I want to improve. Let's get better yeah. every week. No, I mean it's much better than the first two games. Yes, I'll take it for sure. Fourth down efficiency. Eagles were one for two. Cajuns went zero for one. Total yards. Georgia Southern narrowly being the victor in that battle. Four forty seven to four thirty eight. Passing yards two fifty nine to two ninety in favor of the Cajuns. Rushing yards one ninety two to one forty eight in favor of the Eagles. Yards per rush. Louisiana with five point nine. Georgia Southern with three point nine. Wow. Penalties, two for t- two, 10 yards for Georgia Southern, six penalties for 55 yards for Louisiana. Got to clean it up. Got to clean that up. You Louisiana can't do that. wins the turnover margin again. Yeah. Something they have been seeming to do. Yes. So far this season, which I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying. Yes. And then, as expected, Georgia Southern dominated the time of possession 35 14 to 24 46. About what I expected. Not what you expect. No, I said about what I expect. Oh, okay. I was about to say option team. That's their offense. Absolutely dominated the time of possession. That's their offense, man. Every time it felt like in the first half, every time they got the ball, they held on for five or six minutes. Okay, so I'm going to read this question, this next question, off of the rundown, and I'm going to let you talk because we haven't discussed this. Okay. Is Levi Lewis comparable to Aaron Brooks? Levi Lewis is Aaron Brooks. Explain. Think about the comparison. Okay. Okay. Well, so first keep, of all, keep, keep in mind, I was like seven when enough. Aaron Brooks left. Fair enough. So I, I do, I do remember, but at the same time, I really kind of don't. I'll make my case, but I will say this: Levi's on the rundown because he's a topic of conversation every week. He's your, he's your signal caller. If you look at the board, if you look at Ruger rooms, if you look at Twitter, people are talking about it. It needs to be talked about. Aaron Brooks was such a gigantic upgrade for the Saints in the years of Billy Joe Tolliver and Billy Joe Holbert and Heath Schuler. okay? When he came in, he was mostly a you know, widely unknown commodity. We got him from Green Bay in a trade. He came in, and he wasn't an incredible quarterback, but he did a lot of things well. He did a lot of things well, okay? So he would come in, and he'd give you some stat line like 16 for 30, 300 yards, three scores, two picks. I mean, it was like weekly, but he he could elude. At, you know, back then everybody was a passing or a pocket quarterback. He could elude defenders, so it was good to have a mobile quarterback because our offensive line was boo boo at the time, Saints. Uh, but anyway, he he would fill the stat sheet, but while you were watching the game, you're terrified because he's he, you know he has these famous pictures of it. He has the ball and he fumbles it backwards on a pass and he laughs about it. And people are like, Dude, what are you doing? Like, how does that even happen? But every time you'd look at the stat sheet after the game, he'd have five carries for 50 yards, a rushing touchdown, uh, one fumble, but none lost. 
he'd go out and throw for a million yards, but his passer efficiency would be down. Completion percentage, like 57%, you know. Um, I, I just see a lot of that in Levi where you can look at the game and you can look at the result. You can be surprised by the stat line. And at the end of the day, you can't you can't really argue one way or the other and have a huge uh, advantage in your the point you're trying to make. He is as um how, how do I put this? He is just as big a part of your win as he would have been if you would have lost. In other words, you can blame the loss on a lot of the things that he's done, but you can also credit him for the win for a lot of the things that he's done. If, if that makes any sense. Right. That was a lot of what Aaron Brooks would do for you as a Saints fan. You know, I just remember watching that, and it, it just made me think of it. And I would, like, we've gotten to the point with our Twitter that people have really been responding and reacting with us. So if you guys out there hear that comparison and have any type of yes, no, maybe so oh, reaction. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it on Twitter. Hit us up because. I'll, I'll actually, I'll do this. I think I'll, it's I'll, interesting. I'll, I'll one-up it. I'll put a poll up on the Twitter page as soon as we finish recording. Speaking of polls, do the peanut butter and jelly poll because the psychopaths out there that do <laughs> jelly on one and peanut butter on the other, I mean, we got to fix that. That's What kind of world? What kind of, I, I thought this was America. How about this? Don't ruin it with jelly. Oh, my gosh. Well, I do honey also. Peanut butter only. But anyway, I don't want to get off, off topic. Levi Lewis is Aaron Brooks. Yes, no, maybe so. I want to hear from what you guys have to say. Uh, but it, it, it shocked me. It didn't shock me. It surprised me when I looked at the stat line, and it was 290, 290 yards, another one-in-one game. Uh, you watch the tape, and it's right. it's a misread, a refusal to pull the trigger, and yep. like you can't crush the guy because look at the last drive. He went out there and made things happen when they absolutely needed to happen. It's that... Drew, Drew Brees last night. Well, I, I, I ain't going there. Anyways, mo- moving on. You know, I was we were talking about Aaron Brooks, and I, I remember, like I said, I remember vaguely his, yeah. his playing career. Yeah. And so I was like, what the hell is that guy doing now? Supposedly, he has had a lengthy career in real estate. Oh, Aaron Brooks? Real estate and property development. No kidding. Post post playing career over there in Virginia. I have to look him up. Um, and also, interesting fact, you might know this since you kind of remember his playing career more. I'm sure they talked about it. He's second cousins with Michael Vick. That's true. That's true. Aaron Brooks won the first ever playoff game in Saints history. Did you know that? That is true. That's true. That is true. Against the... Was it the Falcons? St. Louis Rams. Oh, was it the Rams? Yep. Yep. Beats me. A little Saints history there. Beats me. Anyways, moving on, you know, one thing that we, we need to get into, we've kind of already talked about the top 25 polls. Um... The Cajuns are still not utilizing the tight end position. No, you know we did a little rant about Pierce Meagle, and I don't, I didn't see Pierce Meagle at all yesterday. Only, only in motion. Only in motion. Only in blocking situation. That no, only. So maybe only I, a decoy. maybe old Matt was on to something there when I said that he was running lazy routes because or Billy. Maybe, maybe Billy's listening. Bill, oh, I know Billy's listening. Shout out to Coach. I know he listens to the pod, but. Uh, you know, maybe maybe old Matt was on to something when I saw that uh, the routes were getting a little lazy there. I like Pierce Meagle. I said that. I liked him before the season. Still like him. He's capable. I think he can do a lot of what Nick Ralston gave you last year. But, I mean, at the end of the day, dude, you can't round off routes. And you can't – I, I got to see some effort. I didn't see the effort there. So, let's – yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I don't understand. I think that there's there's a load of talent at the tight end position. There is. You know, Johnny Lumpkin, Hunter Bergeron. 
Uh, I, where's Hunter Bergeron? Why is he not getting? Beagle. Why is he not getting three or four or five I mean, opportunities a there, game? There's loads of talent in the in the tight end group. The so, refusal to attack the center of the field is it's mind numbing. That's Levi's forte. It's we thought, we thought, you know. And again, we're still breaking in but some no, receivers. We we always talk about it. Those short passes that just diamond them down the field. Sure. That because here's the thing. You know, I, I brought up Drew Brees last night. Here's 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 my thing. Yes, you know, people complained and bitched about how Drew couldn't throw the ball down the field anymore. But here's the thing. Late in the game, did you notice how tired Green Bay was defensively? Yeah. They were exhausted. Yeah. Why? Because the Saints were running 12, 13 play drives where they were dumping little six-yard passes down the field. Well, they what, you're, you're gassing, had like, what, 24 you're, catches? You're gassing time? a defense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that— Yeah. That's a great strategy, well, especially I, when you have an older quarterback. Trey Trey had, I, you said it, maybe four or five catches. Yeah. Uh, big down the stretch, too. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's another mind-blowing thing about Trey. He, you know he can catch the ball for you. Uh, wh- where, why are we not utilizing him over the middle? Just a little, I mean, just, you know, instead of a draw, have him run five yards up the gap, up the, uh, right next to the center, right in the middle of the field, turn around and sit down and wait. You're playing a lot of zone teams early in the season. Let's just give it a shot. But, you know, look, I'm not a coach. They see something on film that they want to exploit, and I understand that that's the thinking above all else. You want to, you really want to attack their weaknesses, of course. Um, at the same time, from a fan standpoint, I see what's productive, uh, and, and I don't understand why we get away from it so easily. But, uh, you know, you would think that the tight end would be a bigger part of this offense, and Hunter Bergeron can play. He's, he's proven that to you. Uh, I think Pierce Meagle could help you, but for whatever reason, we're we're seeing a lot less of him these days. And then also, Johnny Lumpkin had a couple of catches. Um, the the catches that he had were difficult ones because the ball was behind him twice. Right. So I don't know if we're we're giving these guys opportunities to go out and get open, or if the play just doesn't develop their way. I I don't know. Yep. Um, like like I said, it, it kind of it blows my mind too as to why. The tight end group isn't isn't utilized more, but it's especially with the receiver injuries that hey, we That's have. exactly right. That's exactly you, right. You, you would think you would want to utilize the group where you're still fairly healthy. Yeah, you're breaking in new guys. I mean, look like look at Pauly. Yeah. Pauly had to be like number eight on the depth chart. And now he's Probably, called in the yeah. duty. He's called in the duty and, and absolutely shining. There was another thread the needle type play that he caught over the middle of the field. I think it was in the Second or third quarter, I think it was third quarter. I mean, hell, there there were talks about redshirting some of these freshmen. Yeah, can't do that anymore. I just don't understand. Well, anyway, I wanted to talk about Paulie. Paulie's making plays every time he steps on the field. You saw he got more snaps in the offense this this game. Uh, he was on the field a lot more, and he continues to be an absolute beast in kick coverage. He went down and made a few tackles this past Saturday. Right. So I wanted to give a shout out to DP. He's yeah, he, he's, he's very impressive it, player, and uh, he, he looks like he has a bright future here. Well, let's talk about this for a second. Okay. Beth Mullins. Oh man. Let's let's talk about the ESPN broadcast. Oh um, man. I, you know. Sure. You know you you were at the game, but you know you know this is how I know Beth Mullins the call first of all. Final six second, uh, final six minutes of the game. Camille had soccer. Right, so you left early. Dad duty, man. I had to roll out, so I had to turn on the broadcast to watch the end of the game in route. Um, 
Well, I can I can tell you I watched. Well, then I went back and watched it after. Yeah, I watched half the game on on ESPN. Yeah, and it was bad. I I do not take it back. Was bad. I, I do not take back anything that I said. I meant one hundred percent. I don't know. I don't know when Shywertz changed his name to Shay. Uh, all-conference quarterback, widely four, known. Four-year starter. Widely known, uh, been in the news for things other than sports. Uh, uh, a, a, he started since his freshman year. Any amount of preparation would let you know. I mean, all she had to do was lean over to Hell, the, pre- the pre- radio pre- guys for preparation. Eagles. Yeah, talk to Danny Reed and get a pronunciation guide. Ten seconds. Well, they all get pronunciation guides. That's what I was trying to tell Dave. And look, I, I want to make this clear. Dave Schultz and I are friendly. I don't know if I call us friends, but we are friendly. I've met with him in the city. We've had dinner together. We visited. We had beers together, the whole thing. Dave and I are friendly. Some of that stuff is banter, and Dave can take a shot, and I can take a shot. So I don't want anybody to misconstrue that as us going after each other. But I understand where Dave's coming from with the play-by-play camaraderie and all that stuff. And I also want to make this clear. My comments, it's not a cheap shot at a female broadcaster. I am the father of a female. I like Jessica Mendoza on Sunday Night Baseball. It has nothing to do with her gender at all. Aaron Andrews is one of the best in the business. Absolutely. It has absolutely nothing to do with it being a woman. Some asshole was on on the Twitter after saying, well, women don't belong in sports. I do not endorse that. I don't think that. If my daughter wants to be a broadcaster or a sports journalist, I'm going to push her to do it. Uh, Women are just as good as men. I don't want to hear anybody tell me any, any different. Uh... My comments were, from a professional standpoint, I'm the consumer. I don't have to sit here and say, well, well, it's a difficult job. And but You know what else is a difficult job of being an EMT? All right? You know, there's plenty of, of different difficult jobs. I'm the consumer. Do your preparation before the game. Beth Mowens has been in Lafayette, I can't imagine how many times, doing softball. Right. I mean, how many years has she been here for supers, regionals, just regular games? She knows it's not Lafayette. She's been asked, that, and I know this for a fact, she's been asked multiple times over the years, get rid of the Lafayette, it's Louisiana, it's Louisiana, it's Louisiana. It's either on purpose and it's unprofessional, or, and she's, this is a big or, she's not prepared. And, and, which, which is also unprofessional. unprofessional. So the comments, I meant them 100%. It wasn't some sort of a passionate take in the middle of the game, in the heat of something. No, what I said was what I meant. And I would say it about Adam Amin if he came down and wasn't prepared. But Adam Amin has come down here and been extra prepared. He's a professional. He's never said Lafayette one time. He's never mispronounced. Seriously, I've never heard Adam. And not just because he's a friend of the pod, but I've never heard Adam mispronounce somebody's name. Much less an all-conference quarterback that everybody seemingly knows. Or if he ever did, I can almost guarantee that he makes it a point. To, to correct, correct it. it. So we're years and years and years into Beth Moen's coming to Lafayette, right. and she can't figure out that it's not Lafayette? And, and, here, cause, and I, I agree with you because I've heard numerous of her softball broadcast. Sure. And there was also a short stint where she did Monday Night Football. Really? I didn't even know that. There, there was a short period a couple years ago. Uh-huh. There was like three straight games. And she was the play-by-play person for Monday Night Football. Wow. So and obviously was, they think highly was, of her. And she was great. Yeah, they think highly of her. So it's not a cut because she's a female. It's not a cut because no. I think she has a bias it's a cut against us. She wasn't prepared. She wasn't prepared. She showed up and she called the game. I don't care what anybody tells me. I watched 
enough of that broadcast to hear things. She made numerous mistakes. It wasn't just shy. It wasn't just Lafayette. There was more stuff. I'm not going to sit here and destroy her. I'm just explaining right. why I made the comments I made. And, you know, going back and forth with Dave, I wanted, I know people read that, so I wanted to be clear on what I was saying. Uh, I'm the consumer. You need to do your job to be prepared, as, as prepared as you can to call our game. This is, I told Dave this, imagine if you went to a meeting that was nationally televised and the narrator called you Donald Schultz the entire time for three hours after, you, after you've asked him right. for years and years, sir, ma'am, my name is David Schultz. My name is Dave Schultz. Can you please call me my, what, what, what else do you have than your name? Sure, sure thing, Don. Sure, sure, yeah, sure thing. That's exactly right. That's exactly how we feel. When some of these people that have been coming to our city for all these years, you know, yeah, if she it, doesn't have a bias, it, it, it's old. She has a very bad memory. Yeah, it's old. So uh, I, 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 it's gotten incredibly old. So, and look, I'll give her credit. She did have a nice call at the end of that game, the Red Redemption for for Louisiana. That was nice. And she is good at her job. I'm not saying she's not good. I'm saying there's been multiple broadcasts with her and the Lafayette BS and the. Right. There's some mistakes there, and I'm going to say it. I'm not scared. We've gotten to a point in this country where people, it doesn't matter what the truth is. You can't say it, and people get upset. Well, I'm going to say what needs to be said. It's Twitter. Who cares? One thing I want to talk about before we go on into the next, uh, to the next topic, you know, it's not related to the broadcast at all, but we were talking earlier about that Cam Podesco stop on fourth and goal early in the first quarter. Yeah. Interesting fact for you. I learned from a good buddy of mine, uh, Brian Stone. He's the underdog dynasty writer for Georgia Southern. Under as offensive coordinator Bob DeBess, who is in his third season at Georgia Southern, the Eagles are 0 and 28 on opening drive touchdowns. They have never scored an opening drive touchdown under Bob DeBess. That is a wild stat. Never. Never done it. Some good digging there, Brian Stone. Wow. Oh, and 28. Wow. So, yeah, rather rather, rather interesting. Well, if you take if you take Foote's uh, philosophy on that thing, they would have been due, right? And Matt's rolling his eyes. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Um, you know, you, you like you said, like we said, you were you were at the game for a while. Um, you know, I I had prior obligations. How was the crowd and the game day atmosphere at, at Cajun Field with such a limited capacity? Man, I'll tell you, it was good. It was it was it was very good. I will say it was very good. Really? I think so. Um, I, I've never maybe one other time years ago, but I don't believe I've ever sat in GA. Well, I can I can tell you this from a from a broadcast standpoint, both TV and radio. Yeah, the crowd showed up well. Well, it was loud for yeah. six seven thousand people. You, you could definitely hear them. But I will say this. I, I'm just considering this my first time in GA in its current form. Right. Uh, the sound, which has been an issue for what feels like 20 years, was excellent. It wasn't too high. It wasn't too pitchy. It wasn't too, you know, your treble wasn't too high and your bass was too low or the opposite. It sounded good and full in the entire stadium. That could have something with the dynamics sitting on that part, you know, that south right. end zone. Could be that. Um the staff did an excellent job keeping people separated and doing it in a polite way. I saw a couple of different marshalers, whatever the hell you so, want to call them. So how the food ushers? Situ- how the food situation work? We don't we don't do a ton at the concessions, but in the south end zone, those concessions were not slow. Um, everybody was polite. Everything was clean, prepackaged food, so it was a little bit easier to deal with. 
Uh, we did get hot dogs for the kids, you know, uh, no issues whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, we weren't we weren't out of our seats for more than five minutes. Wow. Okay. So uh, everything was really clean. Everybody was in a good mood, it seemed like. Uh, everybody had their masks on in the common areas like they were supposed to. I didn't hear any bitching about that. Overall, uh, oh, this is a big, big thing. The timeouts and breaks segment on the Jumbotron, the things that they would just kind of fill time with, excellent stuff. Way better than in the past with the stupid, you know, Sonic car race and where's the Sonic chip and all this bullshit. Really? It, no, it was good. They had, they honored certain, uh, in 2005, we had a co-sun belt championship. They yeah. honored that team. That was one thing. Uh, they showed, a, there was a clip about the Sun Belt going first in, in week one. Cajuns go beat Iowa State. Oh, wow. Uh, Arkansas State beat Kansas State Coastal. They did a big segment on that. That's like awesome. Somebody put a lot of right. thought into those little clips, and I appreciated it because it, ha- it held my attention. Uh, the Pride of Acadiana got their own intro this year on the Jumbotron. Really good. Uh, also, Pride of Acadiana was excellent. Sounded Wait, really good. The, the Pride got like a hype video? Yeah, dude. Really? And it, and it was really good. It was really good. Um, it felt more... Hey, I'm, I'm a big advocate for the Pride. Sure, same. Uh, I don't want to say it felt more big time because obviously you're dealing with so many different variables right now and people are spread out. So, of course, it feels a little bit different, but uh, it, it felt really professional. It felt really well done. You know what I mean? Right. In, the, in the past, you kind of felt high schoolish. I, I didn't have that feeling. And maybe it's because you got a 19 next to your name for three weeks. I don't know what it is. Maybe that's part of the perception. But uh, I was texting with a member of the administration asking me about my game day experience. And I basically told him everything I'm telling you now. And uh, here's another thing. If you guys want to interact with us on Twitter or on Facebook, whatever, uh, send us any type of game day experience, good, bad, whatever you have. Uh, and I'll relay that to the administration because they are very, very cognizant of what's going on inside the stadium. Game day experience is at the top of their mind. They want to treat Cajun fans well. Uh, I told him we could play football in a cornfield and I'd be happy. I don't care about game day atmosphere. I care about what's on the field, but like 90% of people, it's a big deal. So guys out there, Raging Reviewers, if you guys have anything to say about game day experience, send it to us and I'll make sure the administration gets it. You see, I care care largely about the on-field product as well, but at the same time, I like the pageantry. Oh, no, no, absolutely. I, I like the atmosphere. I like the... Part, part of the reason why the game day experience is not the top of my list is because I've been going to Cajun Field since I was a kid. Right. There has not been. Because it's, and, and <laughs> I've never had it. Especially for TV games where those TV timeouts can be like four or five minutes long. And they were. Like That's why no, the big you, segments you gotta, you, helped. Right. You know? you you got you to gotta figure out some way to, to keep my attention for sure. I agree. Um, you know, the injuries. We, we, we talked about them. They're, they're you know... There's a bunch of them. Omissions from the depth, the depth yeah. chart is what I'm calling it. COVID patients, I've, I've been told, is probably not the right way to go. But uh, we have so many people that are down. Uh, well, on Saturday we had, like I said, dude, half your starters are gone. Your biggest contributors outside of Levi are gone offensively. Yeah. Defensively, you're too deep on the linebacking crew. I mean, you're playing true freshman. Well, redshirt freshman, Tyler. Uh that's why I keep saying we went out and won a game with people that barely play right. college football. So let's get into that more on the other side of the break. But that yeah. absolutely. I just I just looked at the time. We've been going for 42 minutes on this one. Yeah. Let, let's take a break. When we come back. Catch our breath. We'll talk about the, the depth chart omissions. We will talk about effort plays. 
We'll talk about how good Agent Zero Campadesclo is. Stud. And then we'll give you a Sunbelt roundup from the week before, right here on Raging Review. Yep, yep, yep. ESC Supply and Hardware, locally owned since 1987, is the official hardware store of the Range and Review podcast. ESC is Louisiana's oldest dealer of Traeger grills and one of two platinum dealers in the state. ESC is your barbecue headquarters, carrying PK and Weber grills, Blackstone products, and the largest selection of barbecue seasonings in South Louisiana. Do you need propane? On sale every Saturday. What about pellets for your electric smokers? That's on sale every Saturday, too. Come see what in the gang out at PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard, or call 337-837-2811. Check out their website, pscsupply.com. Award Master, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Award Master creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and you trust award masters for all of their needs and you will too award masters is so much more than just an award shop give award masters a call today 337-984-1414 or go to awardmaster.com award master the recognition and personalization experts Welcome back to Rage Interview. Matt Miguez here. Josh Jogno, man about town, sits across from me. Josh, let, let's let's get back into what we were talking about before the break. You know, the, the depth chart omissions and the amount of players we've been missing, especially over the last two weeks, even more this past weekend against Georgia Southern. You know, I'll, I'll start right there at the top of the list with Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. Um, you know. Say the names out loud, and it's crazy that we Taylor Taylor Humphrey. Joe well, Dillon, AJ Washington. First. Do offense first. Peter was not 100% and went out. Right. Chris Smith got four carries, went out. Uh, right tackle, Max Mitchell. We played two yeah, freshmen. Never there. never played. Never played. Uh, first of all, we already know about the cluster injuries at the wide receiver it. position. Uh, and like I said, Elijah, Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell, Taylor Humphrey, AJ Dillon. I mean, AJ Washington, Joe Dillon. Oh, yeah, on defense. Manak I mean, didn't play. Manak. Hey, Humphrey. Uh, Moncrief. Moncrief. I mean, it's unbelievable. Cam Solomon. Yep. AJ. I, I can keep going. Our backup quarterback, Ave. Yep. Our backup kicker, Kenny. I mean, you can go up and down the list. Yeah, for sure. In all three phases. We we it's incredible that we even and were in the game. Right. And you know, it, it's largely believed. Of course, we will never know for sure due to HIPAA. It's largely believed that many of these are COVID-related. Yeah, whether, and then Joe be, Dillon. I didn't even whether Joe. it be contract, contact tracing or a positive test. Sonny Hazard. However, with the CDC's new guidelines that came out, I think, last week, they released a new set of guidelines, the Sun Belt has changed theirs. If it's contact tracing, it's a five-day quarantine. Yeah, it's all arbitrary. That's if why everybody's aggravated with it. If it's a positive test, 
It's 10-day quarantine. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's the case, then we'll have so guys on, back on the, on the current track, the only guy that I feel will not be dressed for App State is Chauncey Manack. Reason being, because he's here. Here, here's the thing: he might be cleared if if it is COVID related. Mm-hmm. He might be cleared of the quarantine. I don't think physically he's going to be ready to play. I think I think that's going to be. Is he going to be physically ready to play football? Yeah. Oh, I, well, I can't. I can't answer that question, but that's that's the thing. With I know we need Chauncey Manack. I, I know we kind of talked about this yesterday, and I, I'm telling you that Chauncey Manack has to play to beat that. He he, so he, he wait, can come wait, off the end and play a true jack for you. So you're telling me that if Chauncey Manack does not suit up, we don't beat Upstate. I think that our opportunity to win the game goes down dramatically without Chauncey Manack. I think that Chauncey Manack not playing against App State uh, in the regular season game the year prior, not when they came here, so two years prior, I think we could have won that game with Chauncey Manack. They beat us on the edge all afternoon. I don't remember that game. That was at the Rock two years ago. Yeah, I don't. I that don't was the game where Eli, uh, I'm sorry, Levi threw the ball to Elijah Mitchell to score the first offensive touchdown of the game, and we were still in it. Uh, who, who I think maybe was Jacques that dropped the touchdown, the interception right in his, his lap. There were opportunities in that game. Anyway, I talked to Chauncey when I was on the field right before the game, and he was like, it was up in the air. If he was going to be able to play. And when he came out, he was running, you know, kind of gingerly. And I looked at him. I said, you, you good to go, big fella? And he shook his head no. And uh, I forget who it was. Somebody, one of the coaches one of the coaches from the defensive coaching staff was behind him. Oh, no, it was Tiger. Tiger was behind him. And he shook his head like this. And he looked down. And I did like, you know, I kind of raised my shoulders. And he, he smiled and raised his shoulders. And we knew it was a big loss. Like, dude, Chauncey's so much better than people even think. He doesn't necessarily come off the, the paper at you. But like, kind of like Eric Guerra, Eric just locks down one side of the field. Did you ever realize that? Yeah. Nobody throws it over there. Right. That's how Chauncey is. When he's in the game, if he's not in the backfield, like nobody's testing him on the edge. He does a great job of leverage. He does a great job of keeping that edge set, and he can get after the quarterback. So Chauncey's that's a big loss. Um, I would say him and Joe Dillon are the two biggest. Well, hell, I mean, Taylor Humphrey's got to play. Yeah. But, but I don't think that there was an injury issue there. Well, so. you know, I, I somewhat disagree with you. Don't get me wrong. I feel Chauncey Manack's a huge loss. Yeah. Is it a loss that's detrimental to the team? I don't think so. I don't think any loss is detrimental to the team at this point. The I reason I why I think, think so. he's important is because of his role within the scheme. I think he's well, the yeah, best. For sure. I think he's our absolute best option. At his position and what he can do and his versatility within the scheme that Tony wants to run, right. and that's why I say he's a, he's almost irreplaceable. Almost. I, I think we're going to throw guys out there that can play. I, I think if you get a healthy Chris Moncrief, I think you can plug Moncrief into that spot with with Gardner McCaskill, Roman the middle behind him, Joe Dillon on the other side. You got Humphrey and Zion Hill. In the middle. Well, one thing you can do with Joe is if Chauncey can't go, Joe can get on the line and he'll back up for right. you because he's fast enough. So right. that's why I say those two guys are huge within the scheme because you got to be able right. to have that sure. Jack backer. For sure. Uh, but outside of that, we're in good shape. I think we're going to have everybody back. I, and I asked uh, I asked a couple guys 
about Chris and uh, Peter, and they're going to be good. Yeah. They're going to be, be good to I go. Heard, I, heard, I heard Chris Smith was a rolled ankle. Yeah. They were just being precautionary. Right. Uh, we should be healthy as we were in week one. And then I think Peter Peter was more of the same. I think the MRI was just a yeah. precautionary. Well, you know, man, he's he's not he wasn't one hundred percent going right. into the yeah, game. He, he wasn't right. So I think we again. I think we might have been a little bit more cautious with those guys, but from a COVID and standpoint, you, you have to be. Oh, for sure. This you is a long season. It's a long season. But from a COVID standpoint, if those if those quarantine numbers are correct, then right. yeah, we should be fine because we have eleven days from Saturday. Correct. And if anybody tested to, prior as, to Saturday, as of, as of today, we're nine days away from the game. Oh well, then if so, the, if those quarantine numbers are good, we're fine. Yeah, we'll be ready to go. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about the defensive players that had to step into to roles and really, really, really played well for the Cajuns. Uh, right, right off the top, Jaquan Nelson. He had to, and he did. Stepped in in place of Taylor Humphrey. Five yep. tackles. Yep. Right there in that nose guard position. More than that, he did a good job disrupting the middle. Yeah. Now they they were able to get away with some. Some stuff in the middle, but I mean that's to be expected. Georgia Southern's good at what they do. Tyler Gidry's another one. Tyler Gidry was good. He was good, and uh, I would say the same for Makai. I would Kai say the Gardner. same for Jaron when he got in. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think anybody else in that backfield, but no, man, we we have young guys that are going to be very good for us. Just Mason, Mason Narcisse also big old big Mason. Yeah, I was I was yeah. happy to see him on the field. He looks good. He looks big. Yeah, he, he's a big boy. Big and athletic. Yeah, and there's. Yeah, I mean, and and look, that that experience the, is irreplaceable for sure. To have those snaps under your belt in a game where you yeah. win, you get some confidence. The one, the one I was just about to say, the one thing I love about what Billy Napier does here is he's not afraid to play freshman. Yes, well, it's because he knows later it's going to pay dividends, right? And and also that, that just shows how confident he is in the kids that he recruits. Absolutely, and in the process, he's because those guys come in and overnight, like over yeah. a single summer, they're men. I mean, they're getting fed. They're training. They they're getting football one hundred and one day in day out. Right. Like we have a machine going over here. Yeah. No. There's no, there's no question about it. I mean, I've I've heard Napier call it Alabama two point I'm and I'm totally fine with that. I I don't think it's a gold standard I, for I our sport. I, I mean, don't think that's that's far fetched. Yeah. Um, some 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 babies some pups played on offense too. Yeah. You know, like you said, Carter. Um, Who's there? Somebody else. Oh, Errol Rogers that we talked about. Right. Imani Bailey. I mean, these guys are babies. Yep. You know, eighteen years old. Uh, Rubio, yep. another kid. I mean, he's. I mean, eighteen, nineteen years old, yep. playing big minutes for for a win. We won the game. Yeah, for sure. I can't. I can't say that enough. We plug new people. Imagine Ricky Bustle saying, "Listen, we have fifteen contributors out. We're going to play guys that we recruited last year, or." Braylon Edwards was a walk-on. Wouldn't happen. Braylon Edwards. Braylon Trahan was a walk-on when he got here from Acadiana. He yeah. had, I mean, arguably had the best defensive game yesterday or Saturday. Outside of outside of McCaskill, who was an absolute beast. Right. At the same time, is the scheme kind of ran yeah, its way Trahan, Trahan to him. Had Eleven tackles on a pick and a pick. And he really he did a lot of things other than tackle. I mean, he's, he strung he's, the he's off to a hell of a year. Yes, he strung those uh, those, those option plays out to the to the boundary line, and I yeah. mean, he did it regularly. So, look again, you can't under you can't understate or excuse me, you can't overstate the importance of being prepared as a freshman to play, and then your coaching staff having the uh, the confidence to put you in there, right? And then go win the game. Right. That's and we fall out of the top 25, it just makes absolutely – it shows you how much they look at the game. It shows you how much they actually pay attention to what transpired. They just look at the outcome. Oh, it was Georgia Southern. Oh, it was Georgia State. 
you know, it's just pure, it's laziness and ignorance, and I can't stand it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. Effort plays, obviously the Cajuns lost the effort battle in the first half. Um, to be expected, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Georgia Southern plays a physical when, brain of football. And especially when you're missing as many guys as we were. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we need to spend too much time discussing that. Well, I will say this. I thought the freshman wide receivers blocked well downfield. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I think that this is this this Saturday was the best that I've seen Kyron Lacey block. I, I was I was ready ready to see him kind of grow a little bit in that block and roll. I thought he did a, well, a good job. Billy calls him his wide blockers. Yeah. You know, so I was kind of paying attention to that. Peter always does pretty well in run blocking, and he has since he started getting a, a bigger role on the team. I was very happy about that. Uh I just wanted to shout that out because I I, de- I noticed it and I wanted to say something about it. Agent zero. Campadesco, babe. I think he sets the tone on defense. Him, what a stud. Him, Cam, and and McCaskill and and Farad, obviously. And here's here's the scary thing, and we talked about this on the reaction pod. You know, I keep bringing up that eligibility waiver that yeah. the NCAA is throwing around. Yes. He's a redshirt sophomore. Yeah. Imagine that. Could you imagine if he's back as a redshirt sophomore next year Uh, and we have him for three more seasons? Get this. I mean, it's theoretically possible that we get our whole team back and Billy comes back. I mean, I I think Billy is coming back regardless. Um, Could be. But that's a – and I'm I'm going to tell you why. And and I, I blame it on the pandemic. Because that's exactly what I'm saying. Well, because because what, what's going to end up happening is no matter how poorly teams play or whatever, schools aren't going to be able to make staff changes. You're not going to be able to afford to fire you're guys. Gonna, yeah, you're going to lose too much money this year. Every coach's agent is going to be in the AD's office saying, "Look, right. man, my guy, my guy was under impossible, right. an impossible situation. How are you going to fire him?" Yeah, no, no. No, no, I don't think any coaches are getting fired this year. I think that a lot of people and, are going to stay. If there play. are, there's going to be very few. Yes, I, I agree. You. I agree. And we and, know for and, a fact that there are two they, or three jobs do, that Billy wants. And if I was about to say, if, if coaches do get, it's not going to be from a job that Billy Napier wants. I, 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 I think one of those jobs is in flux right now. We'll see how it works out. They almost got a win over a ranked team this weekend, so that would have been good for us. But, hey, when you have this kind of a coach that has this kind of a team, it's the— I mean, it's the kind of the price you pay, unfortunately, in, in a G5. Yeah. But there's a good possibility that we get a lot of people back. Absolutely. And Napier back, and we retain some coaches. But we guys, we got guys like Cam Podesclu that are young. Percy young Butler. Still, Percy Butler's an All-American. I'm saying We're it on every episode. Basketball. Every episode for the rest of oh, the football season. He's, he's an All-American. Percy Butler's an All-American. He's the best safety in a G5. Yeah. I said it here. I'd, I'm going to keep saying it. I'd, I'd agree with you. And Cam Podesclu is not too far behind him. Cam is... I love Cam. He's probably my – him and Farad and, and McCaskill are tied for my favorite players on defense. And A.J. Individual performance that impressed you. Oh, man. Individual performance. Let's see. Outside of the obvious. I typically go defense because I love defense. Uh, you have anybody that sticks out while I'm thinking? Braylon Trahan. Oh, oh, that's a great one. I, I thought Braylon played probably his best game as a Cajun on Saturday. When we needed him the most, yeah, and that's great. How about uh, how about Jordan Quibbo? Seven tackles. Jay Quibb was good, and that's another guy we don't talk about enough. I know he listens to the pod, so we should talk about him more. But right. he's good. He does a lot of things well. He's very solid, very capable. How about Devin Pauly showing up on the tackle stat sheet? Yeah, DP's 
He's coming into his own, man. He, I, dude does everything. I like him. Uh, somebody, was it Buckley that wrote a story about his his journey? Yeah, with, with losing his sister. And Everybody needs to go check that out. Yeah. That's Buckley. We're going to give Buckley a little plug here, even though Buckley and I go back and forth on the Twitter. <laughs> but it's a, it's a good story. It really is if you want to learn a little bit about Devin Pollard. I, I think, I think the, me- the message of this episode, Cajun Nation, is that Josh goes back and forth with a lot of people on Twitter. It is what it is. I'm not scared to say what needs to be said, and people don't like that. So I'm going to keep saying it, and then they can do what they want to do. Position group. Let's surprise you. Position group. Well, let me give let me give my, my oh, performance. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I would say that, uh, man, Braylon's a good one. Yeah. But McCaskill, dude, I mean, well, that's too easy. That's too easy. Uh, Earl Rogers Jr. Tell you what, the freshman Rubio played really well. Yeah. I mean, seriously, dude, yeah. he got a lot of snaps, and he played well. I'm going to go with Rubio. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with either Braylon Trahan or Earl Rogers Jr. Braylon Trahan's a good one. Unit, you yeah. go. Position group that surprised me. Wide receivers, man. I mean, you, you had got. I mean, we, we talked about it off the top of the episode. We had a kid that was on the scout team last year. It's Started. True. It's true. Granted, he only got one catch. But, I mean... It shows you what he, we're he doing made, with our depth he, chart. He, he made he made differences in blocking. Yes. He I mean not everything shows up on a stat sheet. No, lots of things don't. You have to watch the game. That's why I keep right. saying you got to uh, watch the game. No, I mean Kyron Lacy, Devin Pauley, Errol Rogers Jr., hell even Jalen Williams, and Caleb Carter. I mean guys yes. guys stepped up and made plays. Yes. Yes. Uh, my position group is defensive line. Rebuild yep. defensive line with a lot of young guys on there. Went out and really gave off the offensive line for Georgia Southern fits. They they occupied blockers like we talked about in the preview. I thought they did a fine job. They had Georgia Southern was going to get their yards on the ground, but the defensive line made them earn their yards, and that's the most important thing we had to do on Saturday. Do we still have any idea why Trarius is not getting the ball? Before we move on to that, the last thing I'll say about position groups is the offense as a whole – they didn't do a ton that resulted in points, but what they did was when the when the defense needed a break after these long drives, offensive uh, the offensive unit was able to stay on the field to give the defense a blow. I thought that was probably the biggest part of the game that nobody's talking about. Huge, huge for the offense yeah. to stay on the field. So why is Trey Agus not getting the football? I mean, at this point, I just think Billy hates him. But why? Why does Billy hate Trey Regis? I I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's the Billy hates Trey Reyes. I don't think that's what it is. Yeah, but that'll get more reaction if I say Billy hates him. <laughs> yeah, but that might all, that might not get the reaction that you want. No, I do. I want to talk about it. I want somebody from the office. I want, I want Billy himself. Bill, look, I know you're listening. Give me a call. I'll DM me. I'll send you my number. I want to know what is the deal with Trey. It's it's not necessarily the amount of touches in this last game because obviously he had to get a bigger role with everybody down. But it's when we decide not to go. Is it because we don't want to run on running downs and we don't want to pass on passing downs? Is that that kind of goes back to getting cute and trying to outsmart people, you know, that we talk about? Right. Well, what, what gives? Third and three. No. Second and – see, here, here's a perfect example. You give it to Trey first and first on first down, he falls forward for four yards. You second and six, we throw some deep fade that doesn't work. Why not stay on schedule there and get two more yards so you're in a third manageable? Yep. I'm not going to say, look, you're playing against another team that's got scholarship players, I understand that. But too many times we waste a third and manageable because we're trying to outsmart people on a running down. I, I don't understand it. Trey produced. He does. He caught the ball out of the backfield. He got your yards, fall forward like he always does. 
And every time he does, you know me, I'm hollering and screaming on Twitter, Trey Regis, Trey Regis. What do you think? I mean, I'm with you. I, I don't. I don't get it. It's a mystery at this point. Yeah, I mean, the the guy constantly produces. I mean, you know, he's what he never. You are never going to stop Trey Regis on first contact. How many times was it's, he it's, caught in the backfield by two and three not, guys? It's not going to happen. He fights you're, his way back to the line not, of scrimmage and falls forward for two. It's not going to happen. You're not going to stop him on first contact. You, ever. You, you never will. And this is another thing. In the first half, he really was starting to get a rhythm there where he was kind of breaking things down and finding his his, his lanes and stuff. And then we just stopped giving it to him. Right. Like, just literally, they just put him on the side. Put him on the shelf. Yep. Why? why? It makes no sense. I'm, I'm with you. I, 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 it's it's to the point where I don't even really know what to say anymore. I'm going to keep talking about it until we figure it out or until Billy calls me. You heard, you heard it right here, Coach Napier. Uh Get, get somebody on the phone. I got some ice cold beer for you. Come right, in, coming into the studio and talk to us. Get get somebody on the phone. <laughs> All right, Cajun Nation, before we get out of here, let's do a Sunbelt recap from this past week. And, you know. The Texas State giveaway? Oh, God. Did you watch any of that game? No. But I did I did hear about what happened. Spavital just gave it away. And, and look, McBride had some. Questionable decision making down the stretch, but no, that's an experience. Texas State, you gotta you gotta bring that home for the belt, dude. It's BC. Yeah. BC was like Thursday, ten point favorite. Thursday night last week, UAB goes to Mobile and Ugh. tears apart South Alabama, forty two to ten. And mind you, UAB did this with a backup quarterback, brand new, out of the package, yeah. backup quarterback. That's right. So yeah, that's, they have some scary skill players. Yeah, that that's concerning. I'm good with them beating South Al Cajuns, because they're on our schedule. Cajuns go to Birmingham in a little over three weeks for that game Saturday. As as we've been discussing, Louisiana walks off Georgia Southern twenty to eighteen. App State, you know, for the first twenty five minutes of the game. Yeah, I said, wait, what 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 are, what are we doing here? Yes. What's, what's going on? And let's be honest, we need them to win. Yeah. Uh, App State figures it out in the second half behind 211 yards from Dietrich Harrington. They got it rolling. 52-21 to 21 yeah. over the Fighting Camels. If they get Harrington rolling, we're, we're in for something. UL Monroe was a nine-point favorite over, over UTEP. And if you took that. God bless you. I, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. Thirty-one to six. They've the, been the miners dismantle. UTEP has been bad forever, man. W- were they ever good? I don't I mean, think I mean, so. Yeah, let's let's be totally honest. Were they ever good? But I mean, Monroe, what are they doing? Their their claim to fame is having probably the oddest stadium in football and a weird mascot. Well, yeah, a coal miner. Yeah, but either way, you yeah, can't go out I mean, there and get embarrassed. I mean, I mean the were Sun Bowl. Home? The Sun Bowl is just. A weird stadium. It is weird. And, yeah, it was in Monroe. Oh. It was in Monroe. And then today we find out that Slaughter is good. He's done yeah, for the year. Slaughter had, had wrist surgery this morning. They literally have nobody left. I, they maybe need to fold the tent for the season. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they need to opt out of the 2020 season. <laughs> like, <laughs> ULN, that's going to be the, it's gonna come across the headline. Like you previously mentioned, Boston College escapes <laughs> The Bobcats, 24-21. to 21. Total debacle for Texas State there. 
And I blame the head coach squarely on the head coach. No. You want to talk about a debacle? Let's go to Provo, Utah. Man, I don't do BYU looks legit. Have you? I've oh, watched them play every time this year. They, yeah, no, they, forty-eight to seven. It was it was ugly over Troy. You could tell just in the first few drives they were moving people around like it was nothing. And and yeah, that 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 game. BYU looks really good. Troy, Troy had nineteen rushing yards. Oh my god! That was the lowest rushing output that the Trojans have put together since 2013 when they went to Oxford and played against Ole Miss and had negative 13 yards rushing. I, I'm just telling you, BYU, there's sometimes you turn a game on and you just go, I'm not wasting my time because they were bigger, stronger, faster. BYU, I'm telling you, I think BYU is like a top 10 team this year. They look good. And Troy, I, I, was, I was more surprised by the lack of offense and through the air. Yeah, I mean, I know middle's sure. not very good, but they lit they lit middle their ass on fire. Right. So and then the Tulsa Arkansas State game postponed due to COVID issues. Unfortunate because that would have been a good That'd win a for Arkansas game. State. Yeah. Great game. And then Georgia State and Charlotte also postponed. But hold but on. Then yesterday, the news breaks that Georgia Southern, I mean Georgia State, canceled their postponed their game. Due to positive COVID test, that turned out to not be positives. The best thing about that was Georgia Southern. They had a Georgia Southern fan on Twitter say, "The person who read the COVID results were probably the same person that counts their attendance." Oh no! <laughs> oh no! That was awesome. Shout out to Daryl Lynn. That was great. Oh no! <laughs> that's that's so wrong. That's so wrong. Sorry, State. Did you see the picture that the Barstool Cajuns page posted on um, on Twitter this morning? No, I, I actually posted it on the Barstool tw- on on the Barstool page. It was so there was a shot from the UL Georgia Southern game on. I mean Georgia, yeah, Georgia Southern, and for some reason the first down marker was. Slanted. Incredibly lopsided. I did see it now that you say it, yeah. Incredibly lopsided. I, I thought it was funny, whether you agree or not, or anybody else agrees. <laughs> I, I posted, I said, all right, here's the game plan. Ten guys are going to line up on the Louisiana sideline at the 45, and then one guy just plays the left side of the field in case Shy Words decides to go rogue. <laughs> Somebody responded, what kind of 2020 shit is this? <laughs> yep. I mean, it, it, isn't it not perfect for 2020? Yeah, that's, that's good. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, guys. Hey, good will... job on that barstool stuff. That's a good thing we have that. We've been needing that. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited for the, for the opportunity to grow that. Um, you know, I always, always post on the Twitter page, but if you guys have – Anything that you think is well suited for the Barstool page, send it over to them at Barstool Cajuns. Um, I'll make sure that it gets posted, and I'll make sure that you get credit. We got to continue to grow our presence. We got to continue to grow our presence. Podcast, media, social, everything. This is the time now where we're getting national recognition. We have the right people in the right places. If it's time to awaken the giant, it's time now. This is the time. So everybody do your part. Look, we're going to be asking you guys to to interact with us a little more so we can continue to grow our brand, uh, push Raging Cajun stuff across the nation, like we say at the beginning. You know, Mm -hmm. we believe in that. That's a commitment that we have, and we're going to continue to get better for you guys. And just remember, we're going to have those polls on Twitter. We're going to ask your... Uh, your thoughts on game day experience. We want to relay that to the administration. Very important. Uh, so you guys do that. Go go on to Twitter and Facebook and check us out.
So now with the Georgia Southern game officially in our rear view. 3 It's App State Hate Week. Bring it on, bitches. It's App State Hate Week. It's time. Yeah, it's beyond time. It's time to get off the snack. Yeah, absolutely. We absolutely. need to get healthy. We need to go up there, and we need to have blood in our eyes. Uh, Let's I go hope, get them. I hope you're ready for it, Cajun Nation. We're, we're going to be throwing a lot of hot takes and shade at you this week. Yes. We're going to have some fun this week. We're going to get BGP, yeah. hook up with those guys. Uh, you know, we've ended up making friends with a lot of those guys from App State, so it'll be fun and friendly, but it's going to get it's going to get uh, it's going to get brutal for a while. Yeah, for sure. Cajun Nation, stay tuned for that one coming at you later in the week. Matt Miguez here, Josh Jagno across from me. We will see you guys soon. And as always, go Cajuns. Tell them, Moe.